Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. Welcome back to Startup Hustle with Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. Mr. Watson, how are you today? Just living the dream. I hear you, man. So I heard about this really cool company that will come with a pickup truck and help you move stuff. Have you heard about it? I don't know, but it sounds really useful. And I've got some projects to do this weekend that I might be able to use that. I got the perfect app for you to check it out. And we're here with the founder right now, Ben Jackson. How are you, Ben? You know, it's another beautiful day here in Kansas City. I'm not complaining at all. Well, first off, thanks for joining us today. Um, for those of you listening, both Matt and I have known Ben for a little bit in varied regards. Uh, ben, you were on my YouTube channel with me once, and yeah, yeah. Uh, we talked about some of that stuff, and I thought you were a great guest. I'm really excited to have you in today. Uh, tell us a little bit about Bungie. Yeah, so Bungie is an app, uh, and we describe it, it's an app that puts a truck at your fingertips to help move, haul, and deliver stuff across town. Um, we've been compared to popular ride-sharing apps, Uber. But instead of moving people, we move people's stuff. So is there anything you won't move? What do, what do people usually use it for? Um, you know, it, it's it's really just any I need a truck moment. So, um, I mean, we're today we've done stuff like from Home Depot, like plywood or like couches on Craigslist. Um, you know, even if you need stuff hauled out to the to the dump, and you don't want to wait for Def and Balls, you know, large item pickup three months from now. Uh, download the app, tap a few buttons, and a truck will show up uh, usually in about 12 minutes. How about a nine-foot grand piano? <laughs> uh, we try to avoid pianos. Um, yeah. So no, How about no, a pool table? Uh, we don't look it, – it's, it's usually everything or, or stuff that two people can easily pick up and load into a truck. So the, the person that shows up usually <clears throat> will help? Yes. Yes. Okay. Our drivers help load and unload and uh, you know, are, are uh, involved with strapping things down, all that kind of stuff, securing the items. I think not only is Bungie an app to help you move stuff, it also sounds like an app that can potentially save relationships and marriages. Um, <laughs> and I say that because, uh, you know, everyone in this room is married and uh, I can see that being useful at some point because my wife has in the past asked, how, how are we going to get this from here to there? Now, I do own a truck and I am a startup founder, so I might actually be your bungee driver <laughs> if you utilize the app here in Kansas City. Well, I'm, I'm super excited about this because I'm one of those people that, you know, we, we live in Kansas City and it seems like everybody owns a freaking truck and nobody yeah. uses it. And yeah. I make fun of every one of them because they own a truck and they don't use it. And uh, my response is always like, hey, if I need a truck, I can go to Lowe's and rent one or whatever. But uh, this is a even better option. I, I love it. So you know the, you. Do you know the thing family. I like about about this is when you're the guy with the truck, that can be a blessing and a curse. Would you agree, Ben? Uh, it can be a, a lot of a curse. Yeah. Didn't yeah. that have, did that have something to do with why you started this? Or I, I, I tell us a little bit yeah. more about the the path into becoming a startup founder and building Bungie. So it was it was about two and a half, maybe three years ago. I was at Kansas State. And uh, I drove a black 1999 Ford Ranger. It was such a small truck. I'd, I'd hardly consider it a truck. Uh, but one day I had four different people ask if they could borrow myself and my truck to help move something across town. And, uh, you know, I'd like to consider myself a nice guy, but uh, obviously it was frustrating. <laughs> like I vividly remember laying in bed that night 
just like exhausted, just like pissed off, like staring at the ceiling, you know, just like, obviously, you know, there's gotta be a better way here. And then the next day I was in class and I just kind of whispered my problem to like a, a loose acquaintance of mine. And I'll never forget this, just super nonchalantly. He kind of like looks over at me and he whispers, let's start a business. And uh, we had no idea what we we're about to get ourselves into, but we walked out of class that day with a simple concept in mind, tap a button, get a truck. So did it start out as like sort of a moving company or were you guys a, a totally focused on the technology side of this? Um, it, we were focused on the technology side, but we didn't know anything about the technology side. So we actually uh, tried to get the app done, uh, you know, the cheap way. And, uh, you know, one of the first lessons you'll learn is that especially when it comes to software, you get what you pay for. So neither one of you are technical? Not at all. Okay. Not at all. So who, who did you find to write the app? Like, how did you find those people? Yeah, it's kind of a funny story. So we're, again, we're like, we're not technical at all. Like, I didn't even know what like JavaScript was. And, uh, you know, Harrison, our co-founder, the guy I was next in class with, and I were talking, and I'm like, you know, I'll just... I'll take like a uh, uh, Apple's like online course and I'll just, I'll, I'll make it over the summer. It took about five minutes for me to realize that like, there's no way in hell I'm going to be able to do this. Um, and then we went to some Harrison's friends. Uh, there were two brothers down in Texas. Uh, waited about five months to realize that that wouldn't work out. Uh, and then we found this dev shop in India. Uh, waited another probably about six months before we figured out that that wouldn't work out. And then uh, Harrison and I kind of look at each other and we're like, okay, like we need to raise big money and do this the right way. So, I mean, I mean you just described the problem that almost every startup has <laughs> if none of the founders are technical, yeah. right? Because you're yeah. at their mercy. And, Absolutely. you know, so our, our customers at SciFi are software developers or they're, they're businesses that own software. And, you know, I, I had a frank email from one of our customers today. It's like, you know what? My development team gives me all these excuses all the time. Yeah. And I don't want to tell them because I don't know anything about it. Um, but he's like, at least with Stackify, I have like some point of proof, you know, in regards to kind of what we do. But the, the problem you have is you just, you're just hostage to the developers, these consultants, these firms, and you just don't know. Right. And you right. just, you just go along with it. And you don't know what's good or bad. You don't know how long things should take. You know, it's yeah. a really, really big problem. Absolutely. So how did you solve it? You had um, to go raise a bunch of money. That was the only solution. That was, that was our solution. And, uh, you know, so we realized we're wasting a ton of time here trying to get this done the cheap way. Um, let's do this the right way. So we were, our goal was to raise half a million dollars. And at this time it was still just an idea. Uh, so we did a test market that summer. It was wildly successful. And then we, we for the first time, uh, we went on the funding round trail. And uh, I grew up in Europe. Harrison is from Denver. Again, we're in little Manhattan, Kansas. And you know, we don't know anyone with deep pockets. So this is like another problem that we're trying to solve. And I was walking out of the class one day again, and something kind of caught my eye. And uh, it was a bunch of these names that were on the wall etched in marble. And uh, it was names of people who had donated like a quarter of a million dollars or more to K-State. And, uh, you know, I pull Harrison aside, I'm like, you know, we, we might be on to something here. So we took a picture of it on our smartphone and then spent the next probably four days. Uh, we totally skipped class, like uh, just Googling names and numbers of these people who are, you know, their names were etched on the wall. And out of that, we probably found. Um, By the way, that is one <laughs> hell of a way to hustle. I was going to say that <laughs> and, describes the hustle. And you, right there. you told the story, you. and I didn't want to spoil it earlier. But man, what a first off fist bump hey, on thank you. all thank that. You. That is, I just think that's awesome. I actually have goosebumps, and these guys will verify it just because I actually, awesome. I appreciate that, man. Anybody that can creatively do some of that. I mean, my first business was 
funded by a stack of credit cards that I collected from my poker buddies that all wanted the points that we were getting from buying tickets. You know, I went from being, having no money to all of a sudden we had $400,000 of available credit and that's how we did it. And I didn't have any other options. I didn't know any other way to do it. So, so so you tracked those people down and you were able to raise the 500,000 that way. Yeah. Yeah. We probably had uh, 125 names, uh, which led to about 25 investment meetings, which led to, uh, about seven offers uh, through them we took very seriously. So all those college kids that are listening out there, find the names, touch <laughs> to the walls. You, you are cool. completely surrounded by, we'll <laughs> yeah. call those cold leads, stone cold leads. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that comes up a lot, Ben, and the things that get asked, you know, to Matt and I or anyone else is, you know, how do I get funded? And yeah. what do you think the thing is that you did that made you stand out or made you fundable? Um, in that round, it was fine. It, it was knowing who your audience was, knowing who our investors were. And uh, in the email we sent to each investor or each, you know, name that's on the wall individually, uh, we really focused on just making that K-State connection. And uh, it also, I think it's really important to look at uh, raising money as kind of like a conversion funnel uh, that you use in a lot of sales. So, you know, like the email, the only role of the email is to get a phone call. And then the only job of the phone call is to get an in-person meeting. And so, so you're not trying to close in the first part, it's just, you know, kind of lead them down a, pay, a, a, a path uh, and, and spark their interest to get the next meeting. And then when you're in person, obviously you have to close the deal. But uh, that can be the hardest part with investors is just getting them to sit down with you for 30 minutes. So what's amazing about this is you were able to raise capital and you had really only an idea, yeah. right? You didn't have you didn't have an app. You didn't have customers. You didn't have traction. Like you didn't have anything. You Correct. only had an idea, Correct. which is the hardest possible thing to have to try and raise capital for. So kudos to you guys. Thank you. Thank so, you. But, but I would probably guess the only reason that you were able to do it was actually because of the success of Uber and those companies, right? If they hadn't paved the way of like, people will do this and there's a business model that works, I would, I would guess they probably never would have funded this. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. And, and like you said, Uber did, did do a great job of paving the way for us. Um, and I think we probably would have got laughed at if we're like, hey, there's pickup truck owners that will jump on and line an app and you know, we don't own any trucks, we don't have any employee, you know, that kind of thing. So yes, and Uber, Uber helped a lot. I think they helped create the market for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think it's a good thing too, because, you know, the term side hustle is, you know, a popular term. And, yeah. you know, a lot of people have one, and it can exist in a lot of different ways. But one of the things that I've really enjoyed about watching the growth of your app is, I think there's a lot of people that need the side hustle. Like it makes a big difference in their life if they can take something they already have that's utilitarian and turn it into something, you know, monetizable or make a few bucks. I I, I personally look at people that say, hey, I just went broke or I don't have any money. I'm always thinking like, you know, I mean, you could drive an Uber or you could run Bungie or something like that. So speaking of raising money, have you, you've done a little a bit, little bit of that lately, haven't you? We did, we did. Um, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled to announce that we just closed a uh, healthy, oversubscribed two million dollar funding round. Congratulations! Congratulations! Thank I you. think that deserves. A yeah. Thank you. So, Thank you. so this time around, did you do it all with money from Kansas City, or how did how did you accomplish it this time? Um, you know, 
we started with the investment meetings and the investors who were interested in the seed funding round. And uh, that was an excellent place to start. So, um, you know, I've learned that going to these guys who we already spoken with and saying, hey, this is how far we've come. This is what we've accomplished. Uh, it's everything but an immediate sell. Uh, so that's kind of how you get the, the lead investors. That's how you get the ball rolling, which is the hardest part about raising money. It's just, you know, because after an investment meeting, a lot of times they ask, hey, who else is in this? And uh, nobody wants to be the first. Exactly. One. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, that, that was that was how we started. And then uh, from there, the snowball just kind of started rolling. What was the what was the gestation period from, you know, you reaching out saying, hey, we're going to raise <laughs> money. We have another round coming to the point where you actually saw money in your account. Um, it was actually a little bit under three months. That's pretty fast. That's actually. really fast. Yeah. And the reason I ask is because that's another thing that I think I encounter when people ask questions is say, well, I'll just raise some money. I'm like, you, you know, you're not going to have in a month. I've had this, con- I had yeah. this conversation yeah. with you a long time yeah, ago. Yeah. I remember that. Well, and so this is a great example. Like I have a friend that owns a business here in town and I, you know, agreed to invest in his company. And this was like three or four months ago. Um, but then as we dug into it, we found some issues with how his company was structured uh, his lawyer was a complete pain in the ass. We, we've actually had all sorts of issues that held it all up when him and I are both like, let's just do it. I'll, you know, I'm going to invest. Yeah. But even though we were both agreement on it, we had all these other issues that slowed it all down. Like it it's always takes more time. And, and I think that's important for people listening that don't really understand that because if you're waiting to raise money and until you, if you need it 60 days later, ooh, that can be bad because I mean, a lot of times you're going to find that you, it might be five or six months before you even get a yes. And yeah. then maybe another based on like the things that you talked about could be due diligence or legal process. And then the fact that, well, people that have this kind of money to loan or invest are usually busy too. And it's yeah. not always the very, it, while it might be your priority and your number one thing, it's not always theirs as well. So. Yeah. Well, I think, and I think that brings up a topic that we haven't really talked about before, but most investors who invest, let's say they invest $50,000 or $25,000, they wouldn't, if they were smart, they wouldn't have invested that money if they could afford to lose it. So for them, if I give you $25,000 and you turn that into $50,000 for me in three years from now, it like didn't even matter to that person, right? Because it doesn't move the needle yep. to the investor, or they probably wouldn't have gave you the 25 grand to begin with. If they're smart, they're sprinkling a lot of investments a lot of places. And um, it, although that 25000 or 50000 100000 whatever it is, might be a lot to the founder, usually to the investor, it's not. Yeah. And, and, and that's another challenge, too, because, you know, in talks that I've had with people, sometimes raising too small amount of money is going disqualif- to disqualify you from a lot of potential investors. So finding that happy median in between, because... You know, some funds or people or whatever, it's also not worth their time. It's and you exactly mentioned right. not moving the needle, but it's not worth their time. You know, sometimes the cost of their own, you know, well, let's put it this way that's just another, at that point, you might have just another form to deal with when you're filing taxes or this Which or that. Which to me, and sometimes I'd well, rather just not invest and not have to deal with that. It's right more there. of a pain yeah. in the butt, right? Yeah, yeah I hear yeah. you on that one. So, anyways, but that's, that's one of the challenges you have. But I'd love to hear so you got the 500000 how long did it, how long did that last you? And like, how, how did that traction go, right? After you, you, how long did it take you to build the app with the 500,000, get to market? How, how did that go for you? The app took eight months to develop. Okay. Uh, so how long did you think it was going to take to build? <laughs> like four. Yeah, you know, with, with software, 
uh, I like to say it will take double the time and then square that. And then uh, that's how much time and money it'll probably take uh, before it's, it's ready to go. So um, it's it's ridiculous. But that's then, if you get it done. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, and then uh, we, I think it was about eight months after we initially launched that we're like, okay, let's, we're ready to put a pitch deck together. You know, our numbers are trending uh, in a healthy direction and, and we can make a solid argument here. So then how did you go to market that, that during that first eight months? between you decided to raise again. So was it just in Kansas City? Like, how did you drum up the business? How did you, how did you get, how did you hack your way into growing the, the beginnings of it? Yeah, and you know, that was that was probably the hardest part um, looking back on the past three years of Bungie was when we launched. Um, so, you know, we've already, uh, we've been working on that the idea that we've been working on the concept for almost a year and a half at this point. We, you know, we've been through three different developers. We spent, now we've spent, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars on this app. Uh, we've waited eight months for it. And, uh, you know, launch week, we were just ecstatic. We're super excited. You know, I couldn't sleep that night. And then we were, <clears throat> then we released it. And uh, the first week we did like three trips, which equated to a total of like $49 in our bank account. And uh, it was, it was absolutely devastating, devastating. And, uh, you know, cause we were thinking, you know, people would just download the app, they would use it and we'd you know, rough into the sunset, you know, on our yacht or something. And uh, it was, it was literally quite the opposite. And um, I remember like, like a very like serious conversation with, uh, with our co-founder. And I was like, Hey, like we, we have two options here. You know, we can whine and complain about it. And we can say Kansas city is not the right market, or there's not a market for us in general, or this just won't work. You know, or we can put our heads down and get to work. And uh, we I keep hustling. I love yeah, it. We keep hustling. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we, we chose the latter, obviously. And um, it, it, it took us, you know, it just put us in a very healthy place. Which was, I, I want to invite Ben to the Founders Club, but I'm not sure he needs it. <laughs> we, we've started a club for founders and uh, our, our subtitle is now Tears and Beers. <laughs> it's uh, for those moments where, you know, those it. ups and downs kind of get after you a bit. Man, that, you know, I, I want to interject that I think you have a great attitude about the whole thing. Like Thank what you. you just said is it. Like you have a couple of choices, like you can feel sorry for yourself yeah. and watch your future and everything happen to you, or you can wrap your, you put it in a headlock mm -hmm. and drag it where you want it to go. And I commend that. Um, you know, one of the things that, you know, I'll be 43 next year, 2018, I'm getting old. You're not, you're what, 25, 26, 25, 25. And I yeah. think that, and I comment, commented to you about this before. I think you are definitely ahead of your time when it comes to understanding some of that stuff. So it took me a while, yeah. it took me a while to get some of that. Appreciate so how did, so how did you get that? You know, the first couple of weeks, you didn't get a lot of business, mm -hmm. Like, So what, what did you have to do to kind of get the flywheel moving? Um, you know, people from Kansas city will, will understand this reference, but we went to uh, West bottoms and it's a, furniture district where they sell vintage used furniture and there's like a it's kind of like a flea market there's a, just a bunch of uh antique stores yeah antique stores and none of them have a delivery and uh i mean every weekend uh it was a friday saturday and sunday harris and i just hit the streets and we're passing out cards we're talking to vendors just trying to think of anyone who could use the app and getting in front of them hustling yeah 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 it was it was a it was a ton of hustle and you know, I, I just remember like sweating and my, my shirt's drenched and I just am so tired. I'm like, God, keep pushing. You know, it's only like one o'clock right now. Let's How many deliveries have you made 
as the bungee driver? Um, since the app has launched, um, I think maybe I did one the first week, um, but really since the app has launched, uh, very little. And, uh, you know, the way I see it is I'm, I try to spend my time working on the business, not in the business. I was just curious if that had given you any insight, though, that sometimes that in, in any of the businesses that I've even before owned, worked yeah. at or managed, I always made sure to do every job, even if it was only for like 15 minutes, yeah. just so I had some idea of what they were running into or what some of the issue was with that. Yeah. You know, to validate the idea of Bungie before we presented in front of investors, we spent all our summer, um, Harrison and I turned down a couple internships actually, and we posted something on Facebook about pickup trucks and, and that was a test market. So we didn't have the app out by then, but we think we did 350 trips that summer in Manhattan, Kansas. Yeah, that's what I was getting so, after. What did you learn yeah. from that? I mean, what was that? At, what did was that helpful? Absolutely, it was it was fundamental in building the software. And if we would have built the software first and then done the test market, uh, it would have been terrible. So that understanding of like you really got the taste in the feel of like what this needs to be good at and what it wasn't. Um, well, any, I have a suggestion. I would actually recommend that you do still do the deliveries yeah. like maybe once a week or twice a week. And the reason why is it will keep your pulse on what the customers think, yep. their experience of ordering it, doing yeah. it. You can continue to test the software, right? If you're the guy that's actually testing the software, you're like, no, this shit sucks. <laughs> this should be easier. I had to do yeah. 17 different clicks to go through here. You you get a lot more feedback, right? And I, But I mean, yeah, you don't want to do this full time, but once in a while, you should do this still. You know, since since the app launched, uh, my my Ford Ranger broke down. So I drive like a little sedan now. Yeah, I know. I know. It's it's disappointing. Okay, look, I'm willing. I get... I have a Ford Raptor, um, <laughs> so I'm willing wow. to I'm willing to do a vehicle exchange with you <laughs> if you will actually record yourself doing it. Maybe we'll put it on the Startup Hustle YouTube <laughs> channel or something. I, I'll drive the sedan. I'll think about it. I'll think yeah. about it. Well, I mean, I'm six four, <laughs> two hundred and fifty pounds. So, but we'll but see how I fit in it. I think the key point here is though is one of the things is the the. CEO and the founders and is you, you always have to keep your pulse on who your customer is, yeah. what their problems they have, how you can help them and understanding your market, right? The last yeah. thing you want to do is hide in a basement somewhere and just do what you think you need to do. Mm-hmm. You need to always be talking to your customers. And that would be a great way for you guys to just sort of randomly do it. And nobody would know who you were. I, I contact yeah. all, anybody that cancels their gigabook subscription. I at least send them an email and ask, what could we do better? Wow. And I've probably wow. gotten more quality information from that than talking to the people that are just living the dream with it. Yeah. One one of the things that we do for our executives is like, that's one of the things we push for is like every week, every one of our executives is supposed to talk to one of our customers. Like that constant feedback is important. What what do you find out from that? What we're doing good, what we're doing bad, um, what what they like to see. They're um, they're not mad. They'll, you'd be surprised because if you just ask them, say, Hey, I own a business too. I, tell me what we can do better. I need some help. Yeah. And they will most of, I mean, sometimes I don't, I, actually, I don't get a response a lot, but when I do, I, I'm sometimes really taken back at the candor. And, you know, when you ask for it, there are definitely some people that'll tell you, they'll say, well, it wasn't, it didn't have the right, maybe we're not the right kind of business for it. Or these, this particular report didn't have enough information on it or something. And, and you know, Matt and I have talked about this before is that, by the time someone's actually giving you feedback through the channels that you have in your app, there's probably 10, 
yeah. hundreds, who knows how many people that have already been really frustrated by it that haven't told you. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with that feedback. Um, what were some of the surprises and obstacles that you had to come past other than like developing the app? Were there any things that were just absolute out of left field surprises? Yeah, I mean, kind of what I alluded to earlier, it was it's customer acquisition. And I think a lot of uh, startup founders uh, before the product is launched, you know, whether it's a, a SaaS or an actual physical product, whatever it is, you know, they're obviously in love with it. They think it's the best thing ever. And they think once it hits the market, people will come to them. And, uh, you know, kind of like the field of dreams, if you build, they will come. And We've quite frankly, that same example, quite nobody yeah, comes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the exact opposite. It's and, exactly and people always say they're like, oh, we're going to get published on TechCrunch or something. And like, <laughs> even if that happens, it yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, speaking of which, you've actually won some awards. I've seen you, uh, you won an award here in Kansas City. This, was that this year? It was. It was. We, uh, we are Silicon Prairie's new startup of the year. So that's, I think Silicon Prairie is six different states. Uh, so we're, we're super honored by that award. Congratulations. I, yeah, you, I, I've seen that you guys have definitely capitalized on that kind of heat i've definitely seen bungee which by the way is spelled b-u-n-g-i-i yeah um i've seen you guys in a lot of other you, you've had quite a few articles and other things about you so that's that's impressive and i think the thing that i've enjoyed too is i've actually started to notice more people mentioning you i think i even tagged you on a facebook post because one of my facebook friends was saying man i saw this really cool app it, it's called Bungie, and it helped me. That's awesome. uh, like, yeah. Awesome. So, so, did you guys spell it that way because of the other Bungie, the software company? Um, that was one of the reasons, but uh, it, a lot of it was a domain. You okay. know, so when you name a company, there's a thousand things you have to think yeah, yeah. of, and trademark domain, and uh, those were the two, of the two of the biggest reasons. I have, so, a whole, I have a whole section in Million Dollar Bedroom about that, about uh, picking your domain. It's a, it says it's titled "Are there any dot coms left?" <laughs> Shameless plug. Yeah, yeah. So, you, so you're talking about the customer acquisition challenge and and the kind of launch day challenge. Mm -hmm. So that eight months when you're sitting around waiting for the app to be developed, were you out hustling trying to line up customers before? I mean, how what did you do like in the preparation? Yeah, well, we wanted to get things going, um, so we put a form on our website, and then whenever uh, someone submitted it, we we had it so it would notify us via text. And then Harrison or I would have to stop what we're doing, call them, get all the information, and then find a driver, like manually text like oh, some wow. of our drivers to see if we can get them connected. And uh, we were on the clock from about 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. seven days a week for eight months of development. So how, so how many, how many uh, people, you know, uh, customers were you, did you have a week that you were doing that with? Um, it, it started out... Uh, it, it started out probably just a couple of weeks, so it wasn't much at all. And then by the end of it, it was probably um, uh, maybe about twenty to forty on a weekly basis. Okay. Well, then I can. Yeah. So you you were doing twenty to forty a week, and then you launched the app, and then it was three. Yeah, yeah. That's why it was it was so disappointing. Yeah. It was, and uh, and a lot of it had to do with, um, again, we we didn't. We, we thought we'd just have to put it out there and then people would come to it. And we didn't do a good job of uh, like marketing before it and, you know, building hype. And we stopped actually marketing totally uh, two weeks before the app came out. Well, that, that's amazing that you guys actually put all that work in and do it all manually during that time period. Um, I bet a lot of, 
lot of startup founders wouldn't have done that. I mean, that's some serious hustle right there, too. Yeah, I agree. I think that has a lot to do with why Ben's been successful. I mean, in all the interactions I've had with him, he definitely is not lacking the energy to do what it takes. And, you know, that's the thing, too, is like if you think about it, you look at it, that 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 user experience, like, you know, using your own product, if you won't even use your own product, then why would anybody else? And I think that a lot of people don't get that. Um, What's the direction that you see all this going other than world domination? (laughs) Um, we are planning on, uh, in probably about five years, three to five years, uh, operating every major metropo- metropolitan area uh, in the United States. Are you outside um, of Kansas City right now? You know, we just launched in Atlanta, which is our first major market. Uh, that was last Friday. Why did you choose Atlanta over, say, St. Louis, which is right up the street? Yeah, there, there are three main reasons. Uh, the first one is because we have a high volume of app downloads in Atlanta. Atlanta was the city with the second most other than Kansas City. So there's a lot of people uh, who are already interacting with the app. Do you know why? Um, no, that's that's a good question. And it, it's it's hard to, a lot of it was via Facebook, but uh, maybe there's a lot of people from Kansas City, have friends in Atlanta. I'm hmm. not totally sure why. Um, the second reason was because uh, Lane has the second highest Google queries for uh, pickup truck rental and uh, other, you know, Home Depot truck rental, that kind of stuff. Uh, so there's a lot of people looking for uh, the solution to a problem we solve. And then the third reason was um, here in Overland Park uh, is where about 80% of our trips happen. So there's a very high volume of trips that happen in, you know, the, the uh, upper middle class part of Kansas City. And uh, there's a very similar segment in Atlanta. It's the East Cobb area. And, you know, if it can work in Overland Park, it'll work in East Cobb as well. So those were the three uh, main driving and factors. You're, you're in East Cobb? Uh, Did you say East Cobb in Atlanta? Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I'm familiar with it. Um, so if I wanted to drive for Bungie, what do I need to do? Uh, go to our website. It's uh, Bungie, B-U-N-G-I-I, Bungie.com slash drive. What, what do I have to go through to get signed on? Um, we, we, we actually do a, do a make sure that our drivers are, are quality and they know what they're doing. Um, this is just because, you know, our drivers are going into homes to help uh, move furniture in some cases. And uh, so there's a, you know, we have an eight point safety standard process that you have to go through. We do a vehicle inspection, personal interview. Um, again, we make sure that the, the users aren't flat or the drivers aren't platform are really quality. It's, it was pretty cool. We had a firefighter um, apply and then all of a sudden, we've had a tons of firefighters, policemen, and EMT apply to be bungee drivers. And it works great because they have 24 hours on, 24 hours off, and uh, just something they do on the side, which is great for them and great for us because these are really quality quality men. Have you had any challenges with getting enough drivers? Uh, not in Kansas City. Not at all. We actually have uh, over 100 drivers on a waiting list right now. Wow. And uh, we continue to onboard them uh, as demand grows. Uh, but building supply and demand at the same time is an interesting, is a, is a fun challenge for the sharing economy. Well, you don't want to have too many drivers because then the ones that are driving, they don't get enough drive exactly. enough, then they don't want to do it anymore exactly. because there's not enough for them to do it. How, exactly. how much, roughly how much is the average trip cost? Like if I, if I uh, need to move something five miles, does that have about an average, does that have an average cost or what can I expect to pay? The average cost is about $35. Okay. Um, so it's, it's very affordable. Um, it's, Depending on on what day of the week, it's usually cheaper than running a truck. 
uh, and with bungee, you get the extra help, the extra muscle help load. Yeah, that's yeah, huge. Well, not to mention, yeah. I mean, how long does it take to go rent a truck? Oh, yeah. Exactly. You got to drive exactly. there. You got to rent the truck. You got to deal with it. You got to put gas back in it. You got to take it back. And I, I've told a couple people in my family that they don't need a truck anymore because of bungee. I'll be <laughs> Thank honest. you. Yeah, Thank I'll you. be honest. I think that, that you're probably the driving force behind the growth. I think so. <laughs> and I think one of us needs to actually make a delivery as a bungee driver at some point. <laughs> it's not going to be me. <laughs> Damn, <that's laughs> too bad. I don't own a truck. I think, well, I told you I have one. You can borrow it. I'll drive my other car. And, you know, it's, I don't think I could fit anything inside of that. Well, Ben, you know, you've had a very successful journey with everything that you're doing and you've overcome a lot of challenges. I think it would be good to kind of wind down this episode with, give some advice to, to the future founders, what, what do they need to do? What would be the one thing if I, hey, Ben, I want to start a new business. What do I need to do first? Uh, to me, I think it would come down to uh, how bad do you want it? And uh, I think that through hard work and through hustle, uh, you can solve almost any problem. But there's just a lot of people who are soft and the first couple signs of adversity they, they give up and that, you know, that's okay. You know, if, if, if they want to do that and go play Madden, like that's totally fine. And I'm not, not criticizing them, but uh, you know, if, if you do that, then complain about how hard it is and uh, you know, say other people got lucky, you know, then I'll be a little bit upset here, but uh, it comes down to how bad you want it. That applies to your first employees too. <laughs> yeah. They've got to yeah. understand it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, that was a great way to put it. And I think that you probably, Acknowledge, you know, the, the output is something you can control. There's yeah. so many things you can't control, but being a startup founder, a business owner, entrepreneur, but yeah. your attitude and your willingness, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to succeed. But without them, you know, I think we've spent a lot of time talking about that. If you're not all in, mm -hmm. forget about it. Yeah. Yeah. How do, you, how do you feel about that? I think you got to be all in. I'm all in. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm definitely all in. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of a cliche, but uh, it's so true, you know. I'm sure a lot of people have heard this before, but there's two ways to be your competition. You can outsmart them or you can outwork them. And well, there's uh, a third way. What is that, man? You can do both. Yeah, you can do both. Yeah. But, but uh, outworking them is a choice, you know, and whether or not you can outsmart them, you may or may not be able to, but working is a choice. So uh, I guess to answer your question, it's uh, get after it. Are you disappointed that Watson won't go on a bungee delivery with me? Uh, extremely, extremely. Well, let's go fire up. The you app. ready? No, I was hoping. I was hoping we were going to get our uh, a Rochambeau in on that, but you did already. I, I do need to point out for those that have been following the Matt DeCourcy Rochambeau dynasty. I did defeat Watson. Was that uh, scissors over paper? Yeah, for lunch. For today. lunch, yeah. and it was. And, and Matt, Matt is a total glutton for it. It was his idea. I had my wallet in my hand, ready to pay for lunch. And uh, when they asked for the, what, 15 bucks that it was, he looked over at me, he said, you ready to go? And yeah, the dynasty continues. I don't know if you know <laughs> that. Uh, we're trying to figure out the mathematic probability of not winning a Rochambeau for what is it's got to be at least 18. I don't know. It's, I don't want to talk about it anymore. It's okay. We'll get it figured out. Yeah. Yeah, I, he's probably staying up late at night working on a programmatic I, solution. I already gave you the uh, Rochambeau champion shirt. Okay? It is. It so. is true. Uh, Matt did deliver wow. a rock, paper, scissors champion. Where, where do you, by the way, by the way, before we sign off, like where the hell do you even get that? Like, 
I don't even. Did know. you find it? My, wa- my wife found it. Yeah. I, I I do have one last critical question for you. Okay. What okay. is the weirdest thing that's ever been delivered by Bungie? Oh. There's got to be a good story here. Um, one time, uh, so so we can we have a back end and it shows active requests are coming through, and uh, one time we had a deer carcass come through, and, and <laughs> believe it or not. Uh, a driver did not accept it, and uh, and we had to like reach out to the customer, and we're like, "This is kind of weird." But uh, was, this like, was this a product of hunting, or was it like roadkill? Do you know? <laughs> I, I don't even know. Like, are I, these qualifying questions that you ask? <laughs> so, what's the actually? Well, let's. Are you? Do you know what the most popular item to move is? It a couch? It's probably a couch. Yeah. That yeah. feel. I feel like this is like a good family feud moment. Like. <laughs> You know, like what are the top five things? What what would be some of the others that are the most popular? Mattress. Yep, that would okay. be mattresses all the time. Plywood. Plywood, uh, like a, ding 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 ding. Big boxes. Family like feud. Costco, like really buying furniture or it's a lot of furniture. New okay. Used, so yeah. no, deer carcasses. No carcasses. <laughs> yeah. I'm assuming that also carries over to <laughs> other living. Not as exciting. I would think fish yeah. tanks would probably be. You know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, we've done some fish things. Well, Ben, thanks for the, this episode went by really fast. I really enjoyed this. I just, I just love it when I hear anybody else that kind of understands the hustle. He, of everybody we've talked to, this guy gets it. Yeah, he yeah. gets it. I mean, yeah. I'm not even inviting him to the Founders Club. I don't think he needs it. I'm being serious. Like you, you're. Oh, uh, Matt, hey, what is that supposed uh, to mean? Ben, we appreciate your interest in the Founders Club. Unfortunately, <laughs> you're overqualified at the moment. So come back in 10 years when you're jaded and mean, like, like, like Matt Watson. And what are you trying to say? So, nothing, nothing. We're, you're very understanding, just like me. Thanks for being on the show, Ben. Hey, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. See you next time, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCorsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.